Bismillah, bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawalah amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So we finished off with ayah number nine in which Allah Ta'ala was describing the scene on Yawm al-Qiyamah, Abu Saruha Khashi'ah. And now we reach ayah number 10. After describing the scene on Qiyamah, people are going to be terrified on that day. Now Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala brings it back to what is their state in this dunya? Allah Ta'ala tells us, So now they are presently, and this is implied, by the way, by the present tense of يقولون. يقولون also, uh, that the present tense is representing what? Continuously. يقولون. They are always saying this over and over again. In other words, these people are persistently and consistently doubting. يقولون, saying what? Are we really or seriously going to be returned back to our former state? That is a rough translation. So let's take a look at it a little bit more in depth. So they're asking, are we really going to be resurrected? But the way they're asking, they're using the word radda. Uh, uh, meaning to re return something usually due to a rejection. In other words, they're sarcastically asking, will the earth not take us? Is the earth going to kick it, send us back like a, like a, you know, similar to the way in a restaurant you order or something. It's like, oh, I don't like this. Send it back. Like, I didn't accept. It wasn't good enough. So what, the earth is just going to send us back? Like, they're basically saying it in a sarcastic way. And also, they're using the expression, فِالْحَافِرَةِ uh, فِالْحَافِرَةِ is an expression which uh, comes from well comes from the expression this is one interpretation so which means what that the man or so and so returned back on his ditch hufra uh, uh, is a ditch that you uh, dig into the ground and when somebody says they return back on their ditch it's not literal it, what it means is that when you walk you tend to make little you could say uh, scratches in the ground or when you walk you 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 cut out a path in, you know, especially when you see somebody go over the same path over and over and over again, it starts to become more and more pronounced, more deeper. So the expression, fulan, uh, is this guy going back on his tracks? So the easier way, in English, that's what you would say. In English, you'd say, are you going back on your tracks? So in the same way they're asking, are we just gonna come back to the way things were to this life or to being alive again? So this is what they are asking about. Uh, um, yes. And so in the context of this ayah, the expression implies what? that once the disbelievers have made, have made their mark, after they've walked on this earth and had an effect on this earth, they don't expect to revisit the mess they've made. We are specifically referring to who? The disbelievers. These are people who what? They know that they're guilty and they know that to come back and face the choices that they've made is going to be ugly. So are we really gonna be brought back to see and to, be, to face all the different bad decisions we've made. And so this is what they're asking in a subtle way. And furthermore, another interpretation is this, is that hafira can mean mahfura, yani, uh, same way radiya uh, can mean mardiya. So there's a little bit of a detailed Arabic point, but the point is that it could be mean mahfur. That means that after we have been put in a hufra, after we have been buried, are we really gonna come back after we've gone into the ground? So that's the second interpretation that will, will, we, will we really be returned from our graves? And so that's the second interpretation. The third one uh, uh, is, what well, the first one is obviously the strongest, but still the third one is still interesting to mention that hafira could be a reference to the hellfire. This is one interpretation by Ibn Zayd, rahimahullah. He says what? Hafira yani an-nar, referring to the fire. And so the meaning is, will we really be brought back yani into and placed into the fire? So these are all different ways of looking at this ayah. Yaquluna a'inna lamardudun fil hafira. Another interesting ayah that is related to this is in uh, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what? Fasayaquluna man yu'iduna. They will ask and they will say, the disbelievers will say, who will restore us? Who's going to bring us back? Qul. 
say this, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And as an extension, all of us as Muslims should say, الَّذِي فَتَرَكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةً The one who made you the first time. And this is the easiest and most simple answer. And why is that the case? Because SubhanAllah, the only people who doubt the possibility of resurrection are those who forget just how impossible our circumstances are right now. When you really think about who we are, where we are, we're on the surface of some ball that we don't really know the details of how it got here or where it's going or where are we geographically speaking, you know, location wise in the cosmos. We don't really know what's out there. We just know that we kind of rotate around this sun, subhanAllah. We, it's just an incredible and there's this earth and there's water and there's a rain cycle and there's oxygen and there's plants and food and animals. Like when you really stop to think about why is there something instead of nothing? Why is there order instead of chaos? Why is there life instead of death? Why is there consciousness instead of unconsciousness? Why is there choice instead of just blind determinism? And so on and so forth. All these questions, when you start building them up in your mind, you realize we're in kind of an absurd situation as it is. So why would I doubt that this can come back, that life can be brought back when the fact of the matter is that we're here right now. And so therefore, whoever brought us here the first time could, could most definitely bring us back a second time. In fact, the second time is easier than the first. And what's interesting is that we all know that someone could choke or get hit and knocked out and then they can be revived. It's always a possibility that you could, you know, resuscitate somebody. And so that could be the idea of coming back to life. They passed out, their heart stopped, and then they got the, you know, the shock to the chest and they came back to life. But these guys want to say, no, 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 I know that that's commonplace. That happens often. So they want to specify. You're telling me that we're going to come back more specifically, so the very, very next ayah, they say, even if we should be decayed bones, I'm not talking about my heart stops for, I don't know, five minutes and then I get brought back. No, no, that's not what I'm doubting. I'm doubting, you're telling me my body's going to rot entirely and my bones are going to be decayed and then you're going to bring me back? So this is what they are asking in a sarcastic tone. In other words, I might believe if you said that I would be resuscitated right after my death, but after I'm decayed, what are you talking about? Yes, and this is also an interesting verb, uh, root verb, nun, kha, and ra only occurs this one time. There's a few words like this, same thing with sahira, uh, and a few other words that subhanAllah, you only find them mentioned once in the Qur'an. So this word, nakhira, uh, what does it imply? It means something that is hollowed out, something that has been gnawed or eaten at, decayed away, ruined, uh, full of holes, spoiled, decayed, disintegrated, crumbled, etc. And so it seems that subhanAllah, these people are asking this sarcastic question, and it's amazing that this is also paralleled at the end of the uh, at the end of the surah in ayah number 42. They're going to be asking another sarcastic question about judgment day. So there's that parallel. But anyway, it's also interesting that they are doubting the idea that they can be returned to life after decaying their bodies. Subhanallah, isn't it amazing? What's the next topic after this section? After these next few ayats, which we're going to cover today, inshallah, there's the next section talking about who? Musa salam and Fir'aun. What does Allah Ta'ala say when it comes to the body of Fir'aun. It's so amazing how, how perfect Allah Ta'ala responds to them. Allah says what? That Allah says, so today we will save your body that you may be to those who succeed you a sign. We know this. We know that Fir'aun, he drowned. He was in the water. And yet Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala said, I'm going to preserve your body. And we know we can go to the museum that has his body and we can go see that it's really well preserved. It hasn't really decayed all that much. It's still relatively well preserved. It's really quite amazing. So these people are saying what? Are we really going to come back after, we're, uh, after we have rotten and decayed? And Allah SWT is reminding them that, look, I'm going to tell you the story about Musa Musa and Fir'aun, right after this, just coming up. Why? 
because Fir'aun is a reminder to you that all of you guys can go see. And guess what? I can make people rot and bring them back, or you know what? You might die, and I can keep your body the way it is. I've done it before, and you can go see it right now. SubhanAllah, it's just so amazing how perfect the order of this surah is and how it goes straight to the topic of Fir'aun in just a moment. Before we get there, Allah Ta'ala says what? So after they say, Yaqulun, and they regularly say that I have doubts about this, you know, are we really going to be brought back even after we've become decayed? The very next ayah, Allah Ta'ala says what? They say that then would be a losing return. This is a really interesting ayah. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala switched from Yaqulun, which is the present tense, they say, as in they say regularly, Al-Istimrar, they regularly say this. Now, Qalu, this means it's rare. Sometimes, only rarely do they say this. Maybe they say this privately. Maybe they say this only to themselves. Maybe they only say this with their close friends. Qalu, only something rarely do they admit what? This would be a terrible return. This would be bad. You know what it's like? It reminds me of, imagine if somebody says, you know, something's gonna happen. Like imagine you're with your group of friends and they're describing something so that's gonna take place. And then they say it as jokingly. And they say what? Well, man, if you're right, then I guess we're gonna be in big trouble. <laughs> but really, they're not really laughing. You know, like, oh man, I heard the cops might come. Oh, if the cops show up, we're in big trouble. No, you really are in big trouble if the cops show up, right? You guys are doing something illegal, right? And so you say it as a joke and you say it with a nervous laugh, but deep down, you really mean it. And so it's that same sort of idea that what, we're really gonna be brought back? Well, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be terrible. And you have this moment of honesty where you say, oh my goodness, am I actually gonna be brought back? Is this actually gonna happen? And the answer is yes, indeed it will. But the qalu, different from yaqulun, is really interesting because what it implies that they don't usually admit this. Maybe they only admit it to themselves or maybe they only admit it in a small group of people. Qalu tilka idhan, that in such a case would be a what? Karratun khasira. It would be a return that would be losing, khasira. Uh, and, and so subhanAllah, the truth comes out is a rare moment of honesty where the disbeliever admits that if he was really to be taken into account, it would be awful for them, subhanAllah. In other words, they inadvertently admit that they deserve the punishment. So if they do receive the punishment in the afterlife, can they really object? And the answer is, of course not. You can't object if you know that that's what you deserve because these people know how, how, how bad they've been. And sometimes the things that we say sarcastically are what we're really thinking deep down. So this is an example of that. Then Allah Ta'ala says what? فَإِنَّمَا هِيَ زَجَرَةٌ wahida. So, fa, so, indeed, innama, it is only hiya, this thing. What is this hiya referring back to? SubhanAllah, it looks like the hiya is referring back to the radifa, the trumpet that is going to bring people up uh, the second time. This is also consistent with the ring structure, which we're going to be talking about in just a moment. It's connecting eye number 13 to eye number 7, which we'll, I'll mention in just a second. Fa innama, hiya, zajaratun wahida. It is a cry, a shout, a scream. Zajara, wahida, one single one. SubhanAllah. When they're resurrected, it'll just, it'll just be like this loud uh, sound of the trumpet and they'll find themselves in this open plain as we're going to see in just a moment. And the implication is something very, very powerful and very interesting. People are thinking to themselves, what? You think th th these people are thinking, oh, res I'm going to be resurrected after I'm decomposed? How is that possible? Allah Ta'ala is answering them saying, do you really think resurrection is difficult? You really think it's hard upon me? It won't be difficult at all. It won't even require a number of steps. Rather, I'll just do it in one shot, one loud noise, one trumpet blow, and then boom, you're already completely awake and alive, and you won't be able to go back to sleep, as we're going to see, is going to mention, it's going to be mentioned in the upcoming ayah. Why is this, why is this the case? Because Allah can do whatever He wills. In fact, Allah Ta'ala says, It is He who gives life and causes death. So this is, you're dead, and I'm going to bring you back to life. He's the one who causes life and causes death, and when He decrees a matter, He just says to it, be, and it is. Of course, Allah Ta'ala can do this. And then Allah Ta'ala says what? 
and suddenly they will be alert on the earth's surface. So fa'idha means all of a sudden. It's implying that when this happens, all of a sudden, hum, they will be what? Bisahira. And Zamakhshari says that sahira implies what? A flat white plane. In other words, you're going to be on this clear, smooth surface in front of all of the rest of creation, ready for judgment. And again, seen ha'ra, another root, uh, a trilateral root that only occurs this one time in the Quran. What is the root verb of it? Sahira, yasharu sahran, which means to be sleepless. And there's a few interpretations here, meaning when the second trumpet is blown, you'll be awakened and you will forever be awake after that. You will never experience sleep after that. So that is one interpretation of this ayah. Once once this uh, trumpet goes, you will be awakened forever. For for, for the rest of your life, you will be sleepless. You will be completely awake. The reality of uh, this world will will dawn upon you. This is subhanAllah going back to the quote of Ali ibn Abdullah al-Anhu, who says what? He says that people throughout their lives are sleeping and when they die, that's when they really wake up. And that's really, subhanAllah, the case that this world is more like a dream world that we go in and out of when we are awake and when we are asleep. And subhanAllah, uh, death is when the, it gets peeled back, when the reality gets shown to us in its full form. This is, we talked about this in Surah 81, uh, Surah Taqweer. Sahira, meaning an open plane. So what is the connection between being sleepless and an open plane? Some scholars, they demonstrate and they explain that the connection is what? When the Arabs would go out to an open plane, they would have to be sleepless. Why? Because they're exposed. If you can go into an area that has, you know, I don't know, let's say a cave or maybe more shrubbery or trees or something, you can hide so that nobody can find you. But if you're out in an open plane, then who knows? Maybe the coyotes are going to get you. Maybe someone, some, someone traveling by is going to see you. You're open, you're exposed. And so th- there's a correlation between an open plane and being uh, sleepless. SubhanAllah, it's a very interesting correlation between the two. But yes, the most important point is what? You will be unable to go back to sleep, as in, yani, unable to go back to death, unable to go back to being careless or arrogant or willfully ignorant. You can't. Once you're awakened, you cannot uh, go back. SubhanAllah. Another interpretation is by Qatada who says, as-sahira, yani jahannam. Jahannam is going to be in plain view for you, but that is a, 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 a less popular opinion, and Allah knows best. So yes, it's also fascinating as well, and I'm going to be wrapping up inshallah because the next section, I don't want to begin it and then go into it before we have a chance to. I just want to make a few more small points about this section right here. The word sahira is also used for an area of Sham, which is the Levant, and specifically Beit al-Muqaddis, Jerusalem, which is really interesting because again, the very next ayah, Hal ataka hadith Musa, has the story of Musa reached you. So sahira could be an indirect reference to who? To Musa alayhi salam, just like earlier, this idea of decaying bodies was an indirect reference to whom? Fir'aun, who his body was not decayed. And furthermore, what I also find quite uh, remarkable is that when the Prophet ﷺ described being awoken, uh, being, uh, you know, coming back after being resurrected, what did the Prophet ﷺ describe? The Prophet ﷺ says, Sahih Bukhari, إِنِّي أَوَّلُ مَنْ يَرْفَعُ رَأْسَهُ بَعْدَ النَّفْخَةِ الْآخِرَةِ فَإِذَا أَنَا بِمُوسَى I will be the first one to raise my head after the second blowing of the trumpet, and I will see Musa salam, hanging on to the throne. Again, a correlation with Musa salam, and the very next ayah is what? Hal hadith Musa. I find that really fascinating. So yes, I will see him hanging to the throne, and I will not know whether he had been in that state all the time or after uh, uh, the blowing of the trumpet. So imagine you're waking up, and you're the first one, you see all the rest of humanity still is in the process of resurrecting, maybe waking up from their sleep. You're the first one to wake up, you could say. And then you look around, you see Musa is clinging to the throne. So what does that mean? Does that mean he was awake before me? 
uh, does that mean that we woke up at the same time? Well, I would think, and this is just my own personal view, I would say it's probably because they both were brought, resurrected a little bit earlier before everybody else. Why is that the case? Because it seemed cons consistently that Musa and the Prophet Muhammad there are parallels between them. We believe this to be the case when it comes to even the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 18, 18, a prophet like you, a prophet like Musa is going to come. We believe that's a reference to Musa That's one. But then throughout the Quran, there are many references where Allah Ta'ala says that Musa is like you and you are like Musa And there's many reasons for this because both of them brought a book and a law and dealt with their people in a governance stance. Many different prophets, they had followers, but they didn't have a government and they didn't have battles and so on and so forth. Usually like Isa they had a small group that they could not establish warfare because they weren't in big enough numbers. Just like the Prophet in the time of Mecca, whereas in the time of Medina, you had strong enough numbers where you could actually go and fight. So Musa had Bani Israel behind him and had this large group of people behind him, SubhanAllah. And one example of this parallel between Musa and the Prophet Muhammad is when Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Muzammil, excuse me, ayah number 15, Indeed, we have sent to you a messenger, as in we've sent to you Muhammad as a witness upon you, just as we sent to Fir'aun a messenger, as in just like who? Just like Musa. As in Muhammad is just like Musa. We sent him to Fir'aun. And now we're sending Muhammad to you guys. So this parallel between them, and there are many, many other examples. Two final points, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, one is one, one particular scholar, his name is Abu uh, Muslim. He has a unique perspective on this whole entire section. He says all this is about jihad. It's really quite interesting. He says it's all about warfare. And I thought this was very unique. And Ibn al-Khatib, he says, this is a very uh, uh, strange, like it's, 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 it goes against the jumhur, it goes against the majority opinion, but it's still possible. So it's a very interesting perspective. So we, we know that the first five ayat were about the angels. Now from ayat number six, all the way here to um, ayat number 14, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, 14. What is the section? Allah Ta'ala says, Yawma tarjufur rajifa, the day that this, the, 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 the rattler will rattle. He says, this is a reference to what? This is a reference to the horses uh, of one particular army that was on their way to fight the Prophet Muhammad and attack the Muslims. radifa, they were joined by another army. They were also coming and shaking and rattling and clamoring and making this big noise, thunderous army coming on its way. <laughs> Hearts on that day were palpitating, referring to what the believers were very nervous when the, when the disbelievers were coming to attack. <laughs> the munafiqeen, the hypocrites, their eyes were looking away. They couldn't handle it. Just like Allah says in Surah Muhammad, that, uh, that, uh, that they had this look of death upon them. They just couldn't handle. The Muslims were looking straight, even though they were nervous internally, they were still focused on the battle. The disbelievers, they looked away. They were like, I can't handle this. Their mind was going elsewhere. And what do they say? They're saying what? Should we really return back to the earth, the earth that has a bunch of holes in it for us just to be put back into a hole too? Are we really going to go out back into the, the, the plains, the open fields that have all these holes and we're going to get end up in a ditch and then eventually start decaying as well? Are we really going to go do that? So the hypocrites are saying, let's not go fight. If we do that, we're going to lose. It's going to be this, the second try. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight. We're going to lose. Allah Ta'ala responds, uh, responds and says what? This is just a bunch of one noise. This is just, they're scaring you. It's just noise. But they are out on the plane. In other words, go out, stand out on the plane and go fight and face your enemies. SubhanAllah. It's just a, a very unique perspective. It's rare and it doesn't really seem to fit the rest of uh, uh, the theme of the surah, that's why most scholars don't take this opinion. I just want to share it because I just thought it was, it was really cool, honestly, I just thought it was interesting. Final point I'm gonna make, inshallah ta'ala, is about the ring structure. This is even more impressive, inshallah ta'ala. 
So we said from Ayat 6 to 14 is the whole section, right? The first section was 1 to 5 about the angels. And after this is the story, Hal Ataka Hadith Musa. It's all about Musa and Fir'aun. So this whole section from 6 to 14, I believe there's a ring structure that's very evident. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. So let's take a look at it. Ayah number 6 says what? Talking about what? When the earth is shaken. Ayah number 14, the last one is what? When the earth is smooth. So one, there's a parallel between what? The earth being shaken and the earth being smooth. Opposites. Okay, so you see the parallel between the two. You go closer. Ayah number 7 and ayah number 13. Allah says, The second trumpet will resurrect everybody. Ayah number 13, what? One shout is going to resurrect everybody. Same thing, so, same, so parallel right there. Both talking about what? The trumpet, the second trumpet being blown, everybody resurrected, so that's seven and 13. Go closer, eight and 12. Eight says what? Internally, hearts are palpitating. And number 12 is what? Internally what? They're gonna be saying, This is a losing proposition. If we go back, we're gonna lose. So internally, an internal monologue saying what? I'm really nervous about this day. So it's amazing, the parallel between dunya and akhirah. In the akhirah, their hearts are going to be pounding and afraid. Oh, I keep tapping my, 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 sorry for the online guys. I apologize if I messed up the audio. Um, so uh, 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 internally, what? They have this fear on Judgment Day, hearts pounding, and also what? Internally, even in this dunya, they're admitting to themselves, this would be really bad if I'm resurrected. So you see the parallel though. There. Then from 9 and 11, what do you have? The humble ending of the people on Judgment Day, they're gonna to have to stand before their Lord and be terrified. They can't stand and face their Lord. They're gonna to be too afraid to. And same thing with, in this dunya, what's your ending? Are we gonna end up, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, decayed corpses and just bones. So you have a humble ending and a humble ending, both one in dunya and one in the akhirah. And then finally, ayah number 10, which is the center, which is the big question, which is the, center, which is the central question of this whole, of this whole thing. Are we really gonna be resurrected? Is this really gonna happen? SubhanAllah, that seems to be the center question. That is, everything is revolving around. So SubhanAllah, I think that that's a very beautiful uh, uh, ring structure. So we already did the ring structure of part one. Now we've done the ring structure of part two. Inshallah, next week we'll go through the third portion of this surah, the story of Musa and Fir'aun. And inshallah, hopefully we'll explain it detail by detail and then also show how it has a ring structure. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who understand and appreciate this incredible Qur'an. Think about it constantly and truly deliberate over it. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.